ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão para a explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Benfica podcast, episode number 315. Tonight, we come to you on the eve. It's not the eve, right? It's post-classico. So a very happy one. Uh, if you uh, haven't been uh, hiding on a rock, you know what's going on with uh, with the classico and with Porto. But before we get into it, let's uh, let's introduce... Uh, my, my my peeps here uh, next to me, Cristiano Oliveira. How are you doing, Cristiano? Fantastic. How's everyone doing out there today? Uh, up in the great white north, the better looking the uh, Oliveira, Dave the Oliveira. What's happening? Nothing much. The sun is shining. The palm trees are are uh, waving. It's a beautiful day to be alive, and especially if you're Benfiquista. You, you're watching uh, Miami Vice on TV or what? Uh, yeah, it's definitely not here in Canada right now. It's definitely not here, Dave. <laughs> definitely not here. When in the, when it was dead cold winter, there was no snow. Not the spring is you know arriving. We 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 get a couple snowstorms here back to back, so we feel a little bit like you guys do up north. But uh, nonetheless, Benfica is winning, and I'll take it all day long, baby. Yeah, and I know that uh, we don't usually have a lot of guests, but tonight we do have a guest. Hugo is here. He was actually at the at the Dragon. Uh, Hugo is a friend of the podcast, a friend of uh, Cristiano, uh, Cristiano's and I, Cristiano's and I, that's good, that's good English. Uh, sounds, like a, <laughs> sounds like a porno, Cristiano's and I, <laughs> X-rated, X-rated. Hugo, what's going on, my brother? How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Been a long time listener. Um, so really thrilled to be on. Awesome. Hugo Ferreira. Hugo Ferreira. Epá, yeah, throw the guy's name out there. Não sei se o gajo quer que, que as pessoas saibam o nome dele. Não sei isso. Tens de perguntar no primeiro. Não há problema nenhum. 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 Não há each week. Uh, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? How'd you become a Benfiquista? Um, just, you know, give us a little bit of, of the look from you, Christian. Yeah. Well, how I became a Benfiquista, that's a tough one. I would imagine I was still in my dad's sack <laughs> and I was already a Benfiquista. Um, no, in all seriousness, it's just a, it's part of the family. I have a uh, great grandfather that played for the club in the 40s and 50s. And then his son, my great uncle, played on the Benfica reserves as well. In the 60s, during the the Ozebu days and the Kluna days, boys um, had familia. Um, you know, you know what I noticed there, Hugo, that as the generations <laughs> got older, the players got worse. You know, your grandfather played, your great uncle played in the reserves, and then you didn't even play at all. I mean, yo, it just it just went downhill. He plays blame, in FIFA. I blame my dad because he brought me to this country when I was a kid. If I was in Portugal, I would have been like a João Felix. Hey, um, hey, hey, damn. <laughs> João Felix dos solteiros e dos casados. Yeah, yeah, no, but that's uh, that's a little bit about me. My uh, my dad's a diehard, my uncle's a diehard. Um, yeah, Hugo, and you're a diehard e also. É de família e já estou a passar para os meus para os meus filhos também. Mas os filhos têm têm competição, que a mulher é portista. Não há competição. Aqui em casa não há competição. I heard you. Uh, I heard you brought your daughter a full kit, a full Benfica kit. Yes, I did. It's her first kit. Um, I I got her the alternate kit for this season because the red was sold out. Or else I would have bought both. Yeah, from what <laughs> I understand, your wife already put that in a machine with bleach. I would <laughs> I would probably kick her out of the house if she did that. That's good. an automatic divorce. Good call, good call. So with uh, with introductions out of the way, let's uh, let's get right into uh, the podcast. As I mentioned, Porto uh, recaps, a grab preview, and Bullinist preview is what we have on tap for tonight. So let's get into the into the classical. Uh, Benfica travel up north to play uh, Porto with uh, one point separating both teams. Benfica um, obviously with the ch with the chance to to uh, surpass uh, Porto had. Uh, had they gotten a win, and they sure did. But uh, before we uh, talk about the game, let's let's get uh, into the lineups. Uh, Vlaco Dimos in goal. Uh, Andre Almeida, Ruben Dias, uh, Ferro, 
Grimaldo across the back. Uh, Gabriel and Samaris were the two uh, middle pivots, if you will. Pizzi on one side, Rafa on the other side. Seferovic and Felix, that uh, dynamic duo uh, up front. Um, Christian, I'll start with you, right? So heading into this game, how confident were you? I know that we spoke about this in the last podcast, but... Tell, tell the tell the people how how confident you were. Roll back the tape, baby, and you'll see that I was as confident as I've ever been going into the Dragon. I thought Benfica was going to find a way to come out of there with the three points, and that's exactly what it, what they did. Um, Bruno Lage has been absolutely magnificent. What he's done with this uh, with this ball club here, injecting youngsters and going into very tough uh, arenas, stadiums, whatever you want to call it, and uh, and getting the three points. As we mentioned before, goes into Turkey, gets Benfica's first ever win in Turkey, goes into Stade de um, comes away with the not just the three points, but the the Lideranza and the Campeonato Portugues first time in in, in fifteen uh, match days that they regained first place again. It just Look, you got the youngest tandem ever. I mean, the youngest tandem tandem of center backs to play at Stadio Lu since 19. I mean, uh, the Zan, Stadio do Dragon since 1991. Usually uh, you say Ladrão. I do, but you know, whatever we won, <laughs> I don't even have to call them that. They tried. They tried their best to, 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 to you know, to, to get in there and you know, and squeak their ways through, uh, through some bogus calls. But at the end of the day, Benfica was able to tough it out. Benfica went in there and played beautifully. Beautifully, absolutely beautiful. Got a little luck, but in, you know, in times like this, you do need some luck sometimes to uh, to come up with the victory. That's exactly what they did. My confidence level was as high as 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 it's been in a very very long time. And again, how could you not be confident after what we've seen Benfica do under Brun Lage? Yeah, absolutely, Dave. How was your Saturday morning in the run up to uh, the three thirty kickoff by Benfica? How was it? Was were you relaxed? Were you anxious? Did you put on your lucky underwear? How was your Saturday morning? My Saturday morning consisted of me going to the dentist, getting my uh, mouth frozen, and then not being able to eat uh, for a while. But then uh, after that, I was as uh, calm as uh, I've ever been for a, a classic. Um, previous history shows that uh, we ha we had history going against us, but you know what? The, how the team was playing going into this match, uh, I really had trust in Bruno Lage and. Uh, Cristiano talks about the, the players that uh, he's brought in, but more than just the players, I think he's just changed the mentality of this side. Um, very calm, and they go in there with the mentality to go and beat a Porto. Usually, we have uh, seen with other coaches, we go with the mentality to squeak out a draw and not play for the victory, but this team went into the Dragão and uh, had the mentality to get the three points. And ultimately, they came away with the three points. So yeah. uh, all yeah. bonuses for us. Yeah, let's get uh, Hugo, who is at the game. He, he actually happened to travel from here, from the uh, the, the United States East Coast uh, to Portugal uh, midweek Wednesday, was it? Wednesday night that he traveled. Correct. And uh, Hugo was actually, he was not in a Cortejo. He traveled with a bunch of Portistas, surrounded with a bunch of Portistas. Hugo, tell us a little bit about, you know, your, your, had you ever been to the Stadio de Dragão? Uh, unfortunately, I had um, because <laughs> I have a direct family member who's a Portista. Yeah. Uh, so I had been there in the past, yes. How was, uh, how was the, the run up to a couple hours before the game? How was the atmosphere around the stadium? Uh, what were your, your feelings? Were you feeling confident even though you're surrounded by Portistas? Um, it's a fantastic atmosphere. Obviously, you have to live it. Um, it's a unique experience, one that I recommend. It is a an environment that as soon as you step foot in that city, you feel the hatred towards Benfica. Um, unfortunately, I actually didn't uh, I didn't have a scarf or a jersey or anything. I just went I rolled up as if I was a neutral fan, um, which I mean, I don't I don't think that. Uh, that that made a difference because when they see you non-branded with the home team, they, they probably assume that, that uh, you're not supporting the home team. Um, but the atmosphere is fantastic. I got there about three o'clock, just five, five and a half hours before kickoff. And it was already packed on the outskirts of the stadium. Um, I pretty much, I had the butterfly since the morning, to be completely honest, on the drive down. Um, and I was just hoping that if you could grind out a result, um, I was confident as long as there were no exterior factors to the game that we all know about that Benfica could pull it off. Benfica is the better side and they proved it. Look, I speak to Hugo multiple times a day. Hugo on Saturday must have called me 50 times and I was wondering about his long distance uh, charges there on his phone. <laughs> uh, and, and I kept telling him and he'll, he's my witness. We're, we're going to win this game, dude. 
forget it. And Hugo kept bringing up, as you mentioned, the exterior, uh, you know, other other like happenings of the factor, game yeah. that have nothing to do with Benfica themselves. And I kept telling him, like, bro, I, I don't give a crap. We're going to make it through all that. And it was just it was just a phenomenal feeling. As you guys mentioned, we all had goosebumps. We all had butterflies leading up to the game. When you see the teams come out, you just I, I was just nervously, you know, anticipated this game, but confident. I was very confident. And I knew that this was a different Benfica. Uh, don't get me wrong, guys. When 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 they score the first goal, you start like looking around. But I said, all right, you know, these guys are going to going to pick it up here. Uh, but nonetheless, very confident um, leading into this game. And it was just an unbelievable feeling, man. Yeah. So uh, the game basically, uh, as expected, started with uh, Porto with the, with a little bit more of the uh, uh, the advantage, if you will, or, or uh, a mandar mais no jogo. But it's it, it's really it's it's normal, right? I can't say as expected because I honestly believe it or not. I thought it would be totally opposite. I thought Benfica would get the first 15, 20 minutes because of all the hoopla and all the the hurrah going around about Benfica that they're this unbeatable team. I thought Porto was going to go into this game. I honestly did. I thought Porto was going to go into this game cautious, very cautious, see what Benfica put out and then test them out and then give them a few minutes to see what yep. what, what this new Benfica is capable of and then attack. Obviously, it was the opposite. Porto came out guns blazing right in the very first minute. They had a scoring opportunity, but then things kind of calmed down. Benfica started playing a little bit yep. better. Porto gets their early goal. And then yeah, it was just I, all Benfica. I, and and I would think that at the time that Porto got the, the goal, Benfica had already kind of balanced the game and Benfica was creating their chances and, and was having their say. The goal comes off of, uh, you know, uh, uh, a quick play by Brahimi. Ruben Diaz takes out Brahimi right at the edge of the box. There, at the end, uh, Lopez uh, hits, the, hits a free kick. Hits the wall. Hits the wall, comes back. He puts it back in. And to me... It, it really looked like Pep was offside. Uh, I, the the angle is not is not the best angle from the TV, but it did look like he might have been offside. They went to the VAR and they validated. Look, the I'll goal. say this. I'll say this. Initially, I I I I left it open. I said, look, I think it could have gone either way with the offside call there because I did not get a, a concrete view on on exactly uh, from the other side. I should say on on where exactly Pep was, but today. Some images surfaced on on Twitter and other social media platforms that when uh what's his name Adrian whatever Adrian. the Gallego Adrian kicks the ball back into the area puts it back into the area and it hits off of Marega's chest and by the time the ball hits off of Marega's chest Pepe is a foot and a half off sides by then and then he ducks down so that's a clear offsides yeah. I don't know how they didn't see it I don't know how the, the 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 Twitter investigators were able to to catch that but they did a great job the and they Twitter caught it yeah and and so I mean that is as clear as as it's going to get I actually had an argument with some portistas and they are it's not offsides but off of that image the ball clearly comes off of Marega's chest and therefore Pepe's offside there's no question about uh, no question about it whether he's offside or not um so I think once again Porto benefited from it but again guys when the hell is a call going to go against Porto at home with the VAR situation? It's not going to go. It's not going to get a red card. As expected. Porto has not gotten a red card against Benfica since 2006 or something like that. Fuchila was the last player to get a red card at home against Benfica. These things never go against Benfica. So, look, it is what it is. They got their goal. And then after that, it was just all Benfica. I'll let you guys give yeah. your thoughts. But I thought Benfica could have come away in the first half with a 3-1 three, three to one, uh, lead. PZ should have done better. I mean, Seferovic should have absolutely done better. Uh, but to that point, it was all Benfica after that, and even in the early second half until they got the, the red card. I'll let you guys give you your opinions, but I wanted to get that out the way. You go talk talk through your your emotions when uh, when that Portugal goes in. Obviously, surrounded by Portistas, the whole stadium explodes. Uh, but talk through the, your emotions. Did you did you feel was there a sense of okay, here we go again? Or th at that point, did you still feel confident that was early enough that Benfica could scratch something back? Yeah, no, I felt confident that Bifiga could scratch something back. Uh, at the same time, it's a bit of a feeling of, oh, oh there we go again. Uh, because as we all know, Bifiga's history in Dragon, um, you know, isn't, isn't the greatest. Uh, I think it's more mentally than, than anything when we go into that stadium. But uh, it was a bit of both to answer your question. Um, <clears throat> when that goal went in, uh, I, I immediately saw Samaris run towards Jorge and the rest of, uh, you know, Bifiga just bombarded the ref. At the time, I, I got to be honest, I didn't know what was going on. I figured it had to be something to do with an offside, but I had no idea if it was, if it wasn't. Um, in fact, I saw I saw the play a day later, um, and I, I agree with with Christian. 
on uh, on his opinion on the play. But uh, to answer your question, yeah, there was still plenty of game left. Um, I thought the goal happened a bit against the run of play. Yeah, to be completely honest, it was kind of a bang bang goal, a fluke if you call it, because it, free kick hits off the wall, comes right back to him, which is unfortunate, and he just kind of I, I I don't know what he's really trying to do there if he's trying to put it on goal or, but it ended up in the back of Lacodemus net. Um, mm-hmm. I think he was nervous, Hugh. I think he's just like, oh, what, what do I do with it? Hot <laughs> potato, hot potato. Like, much. he just threw it back into the middle. That's what it looked like. Yeah, yeah it was a bang-bang play. And uh, listen, and uh, it ended up in the back of our net, but our, our boys responded magnificently. Yeah. Um, and it, I was just, again, I, 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 you know, in my young life, I'm, I'm 31. I, that was by far the most dominant and, and, and most aggressive performance I've seen Benfica play in that stadium, whether it, whether it be Dragon or Antes. Uh, Benfica went in there. Uh, you know, and just bald eye to eye, and and it was beautiful to watch, and and I was privileged to be there, yeah, uh, and see that in person. It, it was fantastic. Yeah. So so as uh, Hugo said, uh, Dave uh, Juan Felix gets us back uh, uh, on uh, level ground in the 26th minute, and 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 Felix has got uh, quite a few uh, stats here that you uh, brought up. You want to talk through that? Yeah, for sure. So uh, it's his 11th goal of the season. And uh, just for some comparison between João Felix and Jonas uh, in big games, we know that Jonas tends to disappear. Uh, but João Felix now in his fifth game between uh, Sporting against Sporting or Porto now has three goals in five games compared to Jonas, who has two goals in uh, 12 games. So I know we've discussed in the past that Jonas tends to uh, shy away from these uh, big games and uh yeah. We want to talk about ball size. Shrone Felix got a pack of balls on that kid, let me tell you. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, even after that uh, that encounter with Pep, uh, which he didn't touch yeah. Pep, but Pep fronted him, uh, Shrone Felix, uh, you know, didn't shy away. You know, it's just the, the, the kid uh, has class uh, and he's also a kid that is not going to be intimidated. Hugo told me, you got to see it up close and personal, that Shrone Felix and Tells were going at it the whole time talking back and forth and you go sitting right there and he's just amazed at how um felix was able to com- keep his composure even though he had both of those guys in his ear pepe and, and tells constantly you know jabbing at him and trying to get him off his game and look he's tremendous young talent um the kid has balls of steel doesn't look like you know the moment's too big for him um he's able to play uh, in front of anyone and everybody, no matter how big the pressure is, and he's just been fantastic. I I, I gotta admit though, Dave, I hate that stat. I, I don't even I don't even like mentioning that stat. Different times, different game plan. Today, Benfica plays totally different than when Jonas was up there, manning the the front line by himself in these big games. Where Rivi thought it was just to sit everybody back and to be a, besides two guys in between two center backs. It, it's a totally different Benfica today than what we saw. With with Rivito, and I think it's unfair to Jonas. But again, I, I understand the criticism. He hasn't scored in, in many big moments, but at the same time, I don't I don't like that stat because it, it makes it seem like the guy's not a big game player, and I totally disagree with that. Cristiano, do you know how big Sean uh, Felix's balls are? How big? <laughs> They're so big he could teabag Pep and Felipe at the same time. <laughs> So uh, halftime comes. You came Benfica... up with that on your own? Yeah, just now. Uh, halftime comes. Benfica up one one, uh, up one one, uh, tied one one into the locker room. Dave, what what were your feelings at uh, at the uh, locker room? You felt that uh, with the run of play and how Benfica had been playing, you felt that uh, Benfica was going to come out and they were going to turn this game around. What what were your feelings at uh, halftime? At halftime, a lot more confident, if that was even possible. Uh, compared to the uh, start of the game, just uh, just the way the team responded after going down a, a goal early in the uh, game, they uh, completely uh, once once Porto went ahead, Benfica opened up, pushed forwards, started playing their uh, their own style of the game, and like Chris has already mentioned, Pizzi has a chance in the 22nd minute. Uh, Seferovic almost gets a, a goal there right at uh, halftime. So. I'm very confident going in uh, at halftime, hoping that we should at least be up on the uh, scoreline. But uh, yeah, Benfica in the first half is dominating the uh, possession, I believe. And they were also controlling the pace of play. So uh, real good to see that and uh, was confident going into halftime. Yeah. Hugo, after the, the João Felix's uh, goal, was there, did the energy get, get sucked out of that stadium? Was there a, a feeling... Uh, of pessimism by the the Porto contingent? 
Completely. Uh, foi um balde de água fria, as we say. Uh, I mean, it, it just sucked the whole wind out of that stadium, um, especially since Benfica then took 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 the play on right after the goal as well. I mean, we could have been up 3-1 easily at halftime. Um, so, again, it was just fantastic to see the, the positivity in our football, the dominating uh, play at our biggest rival's home, um, you know, and again, all, all the credit to me goes to Barun Laj. There's something obviously the guy's doing, something he's saying in that locker room to motivate his players. He, he just like he did in Alvalade a few weeks ago, he came out actually, um, when Befica arrived, he was the first person that stepped foot on the pitch and he got a huge ovation from no name, uh, up there. Uh, the stadium was still kind of empty on the Porto side and everyone just started chanting Laj's name. Um, and from that moment on, Laj thanked the fans, took that picture that he did a couple weeks ago as well. I mean, the man is just calm, cool, collected. And yeah. he's just firing on all cylinders right now. Ugo, let me ask you something. You were at the stadium, and, and there's been some stuff on social media that uh, that apparently, uh, from what social media was saying, that uh, Sport TV usually doesn't uh, capture uh, Benfica's fans. Uh, how was it in the stadium? Was that Benfica 2,500 contingent? Uh, loud were, were they very could you hear them pretty well from where you were yes well uh, i was fortunate enough to be right under them, there you go so, so i was soaking up all the all the chants it was fantastic um but it was 90 minutes of pure beefy coming from that uh uh the, that upper tier in, in side of the um it was just fantastic to to be a part of and uh obviously seeing those people then leave with that malone at the end of the game was priceless for me <laughs> uh, I stayed. I actually stayed in that stadium until all those guys left. That's how happy I was. I wanted to make sure. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I I also heard that uh, after all the Porto fans left, uh, Benfica, uh, as you know, Benfica's contingent waits for 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 all the Porto's fans to leave. And yeah, to... not Benfica's contingent, police that makes them stay in well, the stadium but, until you know, but they, they have to stay there. But yeah. they they remain singing, and apparently. The Porto PA system raised up their volume so Benfica fans couldn't be heard. I don't know if you yes. can, can confirm that. Yeah, no, that is that is absolutely correct. Yeah. So uh, coming back yeah, from just, the half... Just want to add to Hugo's right. part because I was at the uh, the last year's game at the Stade Luz for Benfica Porto and it was the complete opposite where uh, our fans were outsung by the uh, Super Dragões. So... Uh, just from watching it on the TV perspective, you could you could definitely hear the no name boys and the Benfica contingents in the stadium, and it and was uh, yeah. yes, That's yes, yes, yes. Well. Yes, yes. We don't shy away from uh, both, but uh, yeah, huge respect for those guys uh, who went out there, sung their hearts out, and uh, uh, made me very proud because uh, I've been on the other end of that, where at home we were outsung by uh, the Porto fans, so. Uh, big props to the fans that uh, went in, uh, sang their hearts out. Yeah, absolutely. So Befica comes out of the locker room uh, and, and really hit the ground running just like they had finished the half. And it wasn't too long before uh, Rafa found the back of the net. Uh, Cristiano, were you surprised at all that, that Rafa was able to find the net? Yeah, that, listen, that was impressive. For a guy that we criticized so much, or I should say I criticized so much, that he couldn't score in a whore, in, at a whorehouse with, you know, with a stack of hundreds, he found a way to find the net, and uh, it was beautiful. It was just beautiful to see the celebration. Um, and if you guys noticed, I don't know if you caught it on TV, but it, the guys weren't pleased with just the two-to-one lead. They, cel they were celebrating after. Let's go, let's go. Let's go. Vamos por mais, vamos por mais. They were, look, this team was very motivated, man, and, and very inspired to – to get the three points and retake the lead. And it was just beautiful to watch Rafa phenomenal. It was just, I mean, look, yeah. he had a, I mentioned last week here on the podcast that he's Benfica's most dangerous player. Doesn't necessarily mean he's the best player, but he's the most dangerous player because you can't teach speed. And, and that always gets the other team off balance. And that's exactly what he did. He had that one chance and he put it away. Credit to him. He had another chance a couple minutes later and he shot it just wide. And that's more what we're accustomed to, <laughs> but we got to praise him for that one. He got on net. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's his 13th goal of the season. I think it's the most goals he's ever scored in his career in any single season. So this guy is finally showing everyone why Benfica paid $16 million for him, which is still, till this day, uh, a, a transfer record between club, a Portuguese club to Portuguese club in the league. So phenomenal job by him um, and phenomenal job by everyone else. I mean, there's plenty of players that you could you could praise your Samaris, a guy who I've said plenty of times that 
he's not necessarily caliber for you know to be starting 11 he had a phenomenal game just that one court that one interception or deflection i should say late in the second half where uh herrera was behind him where he's able to intercept get his foot on the ball and deflect it out for a corner that right there was worth his whole salary for the year um i thought ferro was absolutely phenomenal taking on the very physical play of Marek. I thought Federer was the best player on the pitch, aside from who, in my uh, mind, my estimation was the best player on the field until he got a red card, and that was and that was um, Gabriel. Gabriel. I thought he was man of the match. But <clears throat> once he gets the red card, I thought Federer overtook that, and I think he's just, for a youngster, a guy who, look, man, I, <laughs> Alfredo, you and I have been at this for a long time. Yep. And you know very well that I, I don't mind eating crow, and especially when – it benefits my team and I'm wrong. I love it. I love it. I love to be proven wrong. And I, I, I got to eat crow. Um, I, I've said it countless times that I don't think Federer was anything special. I didn't think Federer could play at this level. He looks too stiff. You know, he's not athletic enough. But this guy is just, he's been phenomenal. I mean, I mean the guy is a lot better with the ball at his feet than I ever anticipated. Um, he's very physical. He's fast. There's nothing that this guy can't do. Yeah. And then you pair him alongside well, Ruben Diaz, who I thought Ruben Diaz is better. Ruben Diaz still, to me, is quicker and Brut. a little bit more, more, brut. more. yeah, I was going to say more aggressive. He doesn't have the feet that no. Ferro. The Ferro's just, I mean, look, this guy has been a pleasant surprise along with Florentino, along with all these kids who were coming up from the B team. But in this game, you have to tip your cap to who had phenomenal games. Almeida Inus, you had a good game as well. You have to, you know, praise the guy. But, yeah, there, you know, Ferro to me was the one that stood out the um, most. There's a pass by Ferro in the first half where he hits the ball without hitting the ground with the outside of his foot and he puts maybe a a 40 to a 30 to 40 yard pass into the attacking uh half for uh I forget if it was John John Felix or yeah. yeah, but that was that was impressive. There's not a lot of guys that have that type of technique and that type of courage to attempt like that. And especially playing in a big game like this, I thought that he did well. And I agree with Cristiano as far as the feet, much better feet than uh, than Ruben Diaz. Oh, yeah. yeah much better feet even. than I ever anticipated. And I got to look. What was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. You eat crow all the time. <laughs> no, something else. Oh, here it is. Um Benfica won this game two to one in a very convincing fashion until the 78th minute until realistically when Gabriel got, got, got the red card, things kind of changed. But Benfica was before Gabriel got sent off, they were already playing with 10 men. Cause I thought, look, and I'm not criticizing the guy, the guy's been overused and he's been, you know, played a lot of minutes and he's probably just fatigued. But Sferovic, after he missed that one chance late in the second half, the guy was non-existent. It was to the point that he was just backing up into Philippe and Pep on long balls, wasn't even attempting to jump, wasn't even putting an effort. You could tell he was very tired. Um, and unfortunately, uh, you know, Jonas is not 100% healthy and, and and they didn't make that sub. But I thought Seferovic, this is the worst game I've seen Seferovic play this all season. So I was just upset that the guy getting a red card wasn't Seferovic because to me he was out of the <laughs> game already. Because right, once once Gabriel gets the red card, we went down to, to nine men. Yeah, no, uh, I, I look, it's just the type of play that Benfica plays. There was very high pressure from Benfica early on, and both Joan Felix and Seferovic run a lot. Seferovic is not really known for his work rate, but he has kind of added that wrinkle to his skill set uh, after Brunelage took over. And look, these are guys, they just run. They cover ground. They defend. They're the first line of defense uh, in, the, in Porto's uh, first line of transition. Uh, so it, it, both him and, and Felix, I thought uh, by the end of very the game, they were styles, burned out. Though, very, very different styles. I mean, Fika tries to play out the back, tries building up play, tries to get, get, get lanes involved, get, you know, different sectors of the game where – Porto is very direct. Porto gets the ball and it's up to Marega and tries to get Marega hold up play and get his teammates on and then he lays it off. It's a very different style of playing. And, and, and unfortunately for Porto and unfortunately for Benfica, they weren't able to overpower Benfica with that physicality because the likes of Ferro and, and, and Ruben Diaz, they could stay step for step with the Marega, even yeah. though I'll say Marega, <laughs> his teammates are like they were in third gear. My man was in seventh. I mean, Marega, that Don't dude, be. for a guy who hasn't played in, in, in two months... <laughs> That was the guy fit? That that horse that's placenta that, did wonders. That's that magical vicina that you take in the vein. <laughs> I, I, want, I want one of those magical vicinas, but yeah. Um, so so anyway, uh, if, and I can imagine if at the one one uh, Ugu, uh, if that the one one the energy got sucked sucked out of the stadium. I can imagine what that was like at the two one man, especially with Bifiga coming out and playing the way they did, and then scoring that second goal to to 
basically a, a complete reviravolta. Yeah, at the 2-1, the, the crowd, you know, you could sense that the crowd started to turn a bit on the home team and that, and obviously the players feed off of that. Um, and again, I thought, I, I agree with what Chris was saying. Until the 78th minute, um, again, I thought Benfica was closer to, to getting a 3-1 than the game going to a 2-2. Mm. And then once Gabriel gets the double yellow uh, and gets sent off, then the game, I was just hoping and praying that the final whistle would blow as soon as possible. Um, and then when George Schuze gifted them a free kick at the top of the box in the 94th, yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't bear to look, I couldn't bear <laughs> to watch that play. Um, but yeah, no, for, you know, players feed off of that and the crowd definitely got ang anxious. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I think it played to Benfica's advantage as well. Yeah. And, uh, and Gabriel picking up the red card and obviously Benfica was going to go on a defensive after that. It's a seventh red card. Thanks to Dave for looking that up. Seventh red card, uh, for Benfica this season. And in years past where we've always heard that, oh, Benfica doesn't get any red cards, blah, blah, blah. It is the seventh red card this season for Benfica. So that argument is dead in the water this year. Uh, but look, a, a bunch of players coming up big, especially on the defensive end. And Dave, Vlako Dimos was excellent. Yeah, uh, I know Chris has already mentioned Ferro, Ruben Dias, and Samaris, but we can't forget Vlako Dimos. Huge saves there right at the end of the match. I know uh, from Philippe shot right outside the box, that thing was going straight in and uh, he makes that save. And then the corner that follows that, uh, Merega doesn't get his strongest touch on the ball, but it's still a, a shot on goal. And uh, Vlacodimos is able to uh, save that and um, just really came up big because I know in the past, I don't know if Bruno Varela would have been able to uh, save any of those uh, chances, but uh, we got to give credit where credit's due. And Vlaco Demos really uh, came up big with uh, some clutch saves at the yeah. end. Six saves in a match, five of which came in the second half, Dave, from you. Yep. Not from me, from Vlaco Demos. <laughs> right, yeah. For, that's a stat from you, though. That's correct. So, uh, big, big, huge. Uh, three points for Benfica that allow us to uh, leapfrog Porto and in uh, the table. Uh, Cristiano, we, we spoke about um, what kind of mental edge this would give either team if the result were to go this way. Um, how, how are you feeling about that? How do you feel this leaves uh, both Porto and leaves Benfica? How do you? Uh, what kind of mental state do, do you think this this result uh, leaves it, each team in? I think Benfica right now is in, in cloud nine. I think, you know, obviously the toughest game of the season for them is going into the Dragão and, and, and at any time, any season. And they were able to go in there and play uh, very good football when they had 11 guys. Obviously, I had to defend and, and backtrack a lot when, when they were down to 10. But Benfica was able to impose their football, was able to do whatever the hell they whatever the hell it was that they wanted to do. And um, I think right now they're sky high. I think... Uh, You know, only themselves could trip themselves up. I don't think it's going to be any team in the Portuguese league that's going to be able to do it unless they they themselves don't perform to the level that they're expected to perform. Porto on the other side, it's devastating. Obviously, you lose both games of the season um, to, to, to Benfica and a Campeonato, I should say. They lose both games. And, you know, it, it's it's never pleasant to, to, to lose and didn't give up the, the leadership of the Campeonato. But that being said, look, let's be realistic about things. I think Porto now falls two points behind Benfica and they'll be ready to pounce on any slip up that Benfica has. And I don't think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the end of the Campeonato as a lot of people are saying, uh, there's still 10 games to be played. And I think, Sergio Conceição and the Portistas and directors are telling their, their 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 players exactly that, and to be ready and play their best football. I, I know they're, they're they're you know they must have lost some confidence um, because of this performance, but again, there's plenty of season to be had, and uh, you know anything that can help them on the sidelines will be on their side. And I think that uh, it's you know it's up to Benfica now. It's really up to Benfica now because if they don't win the Campeonato, there will just be three meaningless points at the Dragão. I think they absolutely. Um, have to come out, play their best football. I think Bruno Lage will have these guys ready um, with rotations and motivation because obviously anyone could play at any moment on this roster. Um, so, look, different ends of the spectrum, but I still think that the mentality on both sides still uh, gunning for that first place. Yeah, and Hugo, uh, Cristiano talks about confidence, right? So we got four months in the beginning of the season where uh, the team's not playing the best football in the Rui Vitoria. They're, they're kind of, you have to think that this team is kind of, doubting uh, themselves. Uh, obviously, the players 
they're professionals. They've been at this for a while. But, and are guys that perhaps don't lose a lot of confidence. But the way they've, they've been playing and the results and, and kind of absolutely trusting Brun Lage in what he's had him done, uh, a lot of these players, the confidence level on, on a lot of these players is like times 10 uh now that Bruno Lage how, how do you think this this boost of confidence with Bruno Lage and the way the team is playing where the team feels they're almost unbeatable will suit them for the rest of the season for the rest of the 10 games no it's 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 very important and uh, and it, it's at a, it's at an all-time high um i think the the biggest key to Lage is that um he has 25 players who believe in him and his system um whereas in years in years past well let, let's reflect on on early on in the season I mean, Rui Vitorio's lineups were 13, 14 guys, no more than that. There was no rotation, uh, not even in League Cup games. Um, so that's the biggest uh, element that I, that I believe Bruno Lage brought. Uh, you look at the resurrection of, of Samadish, for example, which is a player that I love. Um, you look at João Félix, who's now a João Félix Maisdesh, every lineup. Um, even Florentin coming in. I mean, the kid looks like a stud. Obviously, Fer, to me, is, is going to be a, a player that we're going to speak about for a long time. Um, I hope it's in a Benfica jersey, but obviously that's that's probably not realistic. Um, and then I, even Andrea Almeida looks like a different player, uh, to be completely honest. Um, and and obviously Sferovic is dangerous in scoring goals. Uh, so I I believe that's what Laj brought is that element of uh, locker room unity, the uh, the element of every player is important, and and he proves it. Um, and I think he's going to prove it again on Thursday because I think he's going to rotate. Um, some some uh, some members of the squad for for Thursday's game. Yeah, and Dave, nine straight wins under uh, Lage, nine recuperated points since since Lage took over. Uh, a different attitude, but there's there's a lot more here. You have a a, a bunch of stats here uh, from Benfica hadn't beaten Port in both stages of the Campeonato since 2005-2006. What else? They also hadn't beaten uh, Porto and Sporting away in the same season since 1990-91. Uh, and uh, some comparison, uh, Brunelage against Porto and Sporting, three wins, one loss in four games. And the, uh, it took Rui Vitoria to get three wins. Uh, it took him 16 games. So he had three wins, seven draws, and six losses. So just to kick the man when he's uh, still down. So. <laughs> Well, the one negative, though, and I'm sorry to be the person to always try to put out the flames here, but <laughs> the one negative of that 2005-2006 season, Benfica beat them twice, but they wound up taking the Conecco home. So uh, let's make sure that doesn't happen again this season because, again, it'll be all for naught. Yeah, as you as you guys could tell, Cristiano is staying very subdued and, and, and calm. Uh, he, he knows that probably the... One of the hardest parts is is accomplished, but there's still a long way to go with ten uh, with ten jornadas left. As we uh, all should, because you know this the season is definitely not over. There's still a lot of hard games to come up. We got Morins away uh, in a couple of weeks, and that's going to be a, a a tough match too. And we got to go to Braga still, so yeah, it's going to be hard not to be uh to be joyful in this occasion, right? But there's still ten matches left, and as soon. Just as quickly as we turn it around, it can go the other way around. Too. You can never, you can never relax because the fruta is going to be in full effect. <laughs> the fruta yes. and the maleta. Yes, you. I'm glad you said that because I didn't want to say the fruta and the maleta. Nós nunca nos podemos esquecer desses fatores. Claro, razão. But look, to me, obviously, the, the three points is very important, right? I think, you know, going into the Dragon, as we mentioned and as we've all talked about here, confidence-wise and mentally-wise, it's it's phenomenal. But to me, as a fan, I, I it was just. Look, three points are important, but the way Benfica was able to impose their football and the way Benfica have played on the Bruno Lodge, that's what I'm most confident about. You know what I mean? They could have came away with a draw, and I still would have been confident had they played the yeah. same way. It's the attitude. way that – the attitude. It's the way that they're playing. I mean, this is not a guy that is scared to attack. You saw Benfica's down to 10 men, and he doesn't all of a sudden start throwing in defensive-minded players. He makes like-for-like -like substitutions. And it's like you, you start asking yourself, like, what are you doing? Florentino's a defensive player, and you're still on the side. And he's, he's ignoring that. He's ignoring what we've 
been grown, you know, what we've grown to to see or so accustomed to see at Benfica. And, he, you know, and it's just he's going against the grain and it's been absolutely beautiful to see. So I think, yes, I'm staying very low key, but I'm very excited deep down inside at the way that this club's playing football. Absolutely. Three points in a bag. And now we turn our attention to the Europa League, the match that comes up this Thursday against Dinam Zagreb of Croatia. Uh, Benfica will travel to Croatia to play Dinamo on Thursday, 12.55 Eastern Standard Time. That is 5.55 or almost 6 o'clock Portuguese time. Uh, Zagreb is, is first domestically, 14-point lead over second place uh, in the Europa League. Five wins, two ties, and one loss. They only lost once, and that was to Pleasant in the previous round. Uh, but this is uh, this is a team that, that, that there's not much uh, that we know about this team. They've been dominant in Croatia, and these are sometimes the teams that create the, a surprise because nobody really knows much about them. They have some caliber players, and I think that they could you know, pull off a surprise, but at the end of the day, I think Benfica has the obligation, as I've said here for countless years now on the podcast, they have the obligation to go into Zagreb and, and come away with the victory and, and a nice lead going back to Stade Luz to close it out on the second leg. Um, one of the few things I know about Zagreb is that they've threatened the Benfica supporters, and that split as welcomed them and said that they support, you know, they'll they'll, they'll help them out in whatever they, it is they need. So, yeah, that's all I need to know. And I know they've won titles twelve out of the last thirteen years or whatever. So they're 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 you know the most uh, dominant club in, in their own league with Croatia, right? They're from Croatia, Yugoslavia, yeah. mm -hmm. Inglaterra. I don't even know where they're from. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. There's a there's a huge uh, there's a huge relationship and brotherhood, if brotherhood, if you will. Uh, with Ajuk Split, which is uh, Zagreb's uh, rival, and Benfica, right? This uh, remotes back uh, into the to the 90s, where Benfica lost a, a fan from a trip back from Croatia, if I'm not mistaken, and forgive me if I got that wrong, but I think I have it right. Uh, so there's always been a, a very strong connection between Ajuk and um in in Benfica. As a matter of fact, last time I was in, last time we were. Uh, in Portugal, Chris, and this is quite a bit ago. I don't know if you remember uh, meeting that Croatian yes. guy with, that was yes. with João and Manel yes. that had traveled to uh, Portugal and to watch Benfica. The guy goes, the guy goes to Portugal multiple times a year. He's a huge Benfiquista. Um, it's it was impressive to yeah. see these guys being so devoted to the club like that. Yeah, so the Hadjuk uh, fans, obviously, being that they're rival and being that there's a brotherhood with Benfica, there's obviously a very tense atmosphere here and some security uh, issues that may arise. Uh, I'm pretty sure that there's a small contingent of Benfica fans traveling, but uh, just, just be safe out there. Uh, and look, uh, to me, this is a game uh, that Benfica should win. Uh, Ugo, how are you feeling about this game? Yeah, I'm feeling confident. Uh, again, I think uh, I think Brunelage is going to rotate the squad a bit. I expect maybe guys. I think Krovinovic is definitely going to play. He's coming home in front of his family. He was uh, formed at Dinamo Zagreb. Um, I expect Zivkovic to get some minutes. So I, I think again, Laj is going to do a a, a rotation of the squad, and uh, we should come away uh, with a victory. A couple of away goals in our in our in our belt would be uh, would be massive. Um, so I don't expect anything less than a win. Um, against Sinem Zagreb. I thought we had a favorable draw when the opponent came out. Um, but as we all know, in football, it's important not to underestimate your opponent and to, to show on the pitch that you're the better side. Uh, but with that said, again, I expect, I definitely expect a, in a way, victory uh, on Thursday. Dave, you share the same feeling? Share the same feeling, but, you know, anything can happen, especially when we go away to uh, uh, clubs. Benfica's never won in Croatia in their history. They've uh, only played there twice, so they've got two draws. But, uh, yeah, I'd expect some ro rotation, and who knows, maybe we get to see uh, some more playing time for Jota because uh, he hasn't uh, – I think he came on as a sub, uh, made his debut, but um, this would be a game that I'd like to see Jota uh, get some more minutes in. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll just have to see uh, to see uh, Thursday, as I mentioned, Benfica will play uh, Dinamo Zagreb early game of the Europa League uh, game. So uh, make sure you uh, catch that after uh, Thursday. Benfica will play Bolnensen. That comes up on Monday, uh, Monday, 8-15 at Stade de Luz. Uh, and what's going on with Bolnensen this year, uh, Dave? Uh, they currently sit seventh uh, with 36 points from uh, nine wins, nine draws, six losses. So... For a team that's been in uh, turmoil between the Saad and the club, 
Um, they've actually been playing uh, decent football um, and uh, playing seventh. They've already beat us once this year, uh, two nothing at the Jamur. Um, so that's a game after we beat Porto one nothing um, at home, and uh, we should. This should be a reminder for us not to take them uh, softly because they've already beat us two nothing this season. And uh, we got to go in there confident and uh, respect them, but uh, still go out and uh, play our style of football. Yeah, and they've beaten Braga at the Pedreira, I think, maybe two or three weeks ago. But this is a team in the last five away games, two wins, uh, one tie. I'm sorry, one, uh, two wins, one tie, and two losses. So, you know, they, they've, they're, they're, Coaches is Silas who has them playing a very good football. And despite all the turmoil that they've had between the club and the Saad and, and playing at the Jamor and playing at the, at the Sturil and playing elsewhere, I mean, they've, they've been doing pretty yeah, good. Yeah, 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 whatever, 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 whatever. Enough <laughs> bubbleness. Benfica's playing at home. They just beat Porto on the road. If you want to be taken seriously, they have to win this game at home. And I'm, I'm ultra confident because it is at the start of the lose. They don't have to play on that potato field that, that they played against uh, whatever the hell it was. It was Lama everywhere. I think it was Stuhl, if I'm not mistaken. Now, playing that style of lose behind their 55-plus thousand fans. I think Benfica will be motivated, especially after this huge win at the Ladrão. It'll be exciting times. Benfica's going to score four or five uh, and come over with three points and just run right over them. Ugu. Yeah. Four I, or five or six or seven. <laughs> Only we'll see on Monday, but uh, I definitely expect Benfica to have a comfortable victory at home. Morale is high um, with the squad rotation; everyone should be fresh. Uh, I believe that's a Monday night game, correct? Uh, yeah, that's Monday. Yeah. Yep. So uh, you know, I I expect a nice, comfortable uh, win, but you never know; anything can happen. Uh, you guys are spot on. Bulnes just coming in with with morale high. They just beat Fedins four zero, I believe. Um, you know, Kika scored a couple goals, I think. Yes, correct, correct. Uh, Silas is an attacking-minded coach, although I don't think he's going to play eye-to-eye with Benfica and lose. He'd get 10 like Nacional. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I expect a comfortable uh, comfortable victory. Yep. Um, so uh, turning our, our attention to now a, a couple uh, little bits of information, Benfica did uh, publish their, uh, their contest. And uh, I won't uh, go into the contes because, first of all, I know Jack about contes, relatorios, and budgets and and whatnot. What uh, we were able to take away was that uh, Benfica confirmed uh, signing Caio Lucas, uh, Cristiano, a Brazilian uh, forward that's been playing in the Middle East that uh, Benfica snapped up as the relatorio contes uh, shows. Yeah, but that, that that was announced already a while back. Well, it wasn't confirmed. It was he announced confirmed when it confirmed. It. He himself had confirmed it. Well, uh, you know, not everybody's got the inside sources like you do. It was mentioned on the paper, but... Yeah, the baller. That's my inside source. Yeah. You had mentioned it before. Yeah, cool. and in other news, uh, the no-name boys uh, just turned 27 yesterday. So nice. uh, congratulations in Parabéns. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And uh, what else? And uh, that's pretty much it. We want to before we uh, we jump though. Uh, we, I just want to speak about um, th- this this new project that's came up. Project, uh, project, no, project. Uh, so if you guys are not aware, we'll, we'll make you aware now. We are now very happy and proud to content, be part content. of uh, Benfica Independent. Uh, and Benfica Independent is, is basically. Uh, um, an aggregation of all these Benfica projects, independent Benfica projects, both on a podcast level, uh, photography, uh, texts uh, from people. When I say texts, I mean San Cartilla, San Cartilla. you know, posts from from people uh, that are that are not influenced by the club, right? And there's uh, there's a few other things. There's there, Marcus Horn is uh, is writing a a version uh, uh, in German. Uh, Marcus Apito. Uh, Marcus Horn is writing a, a version in, in in German. There's there's uh, game previews. There's game uh, recaps in, Look, in Portuguese. It goes there's a little like project. this. It's the whole shebang. Whatever you want about Benfica, that's it's where you got to go to. And I hate, I'm sorry, uh, SOB, but this is you want anything on Benfica, opinion, stats, facts, whatever the hell it is about whatever sport. We're going to have a modalidades involved in here. Obviously, no thanks to me. But uh, <laughs> it's it's basically a one-stop shop for everything, everything Benfica, and it's going to be very exciting. Obviously, we're there, Benfica FM, Conversa Benfica. Uh, come on, who else? There's four Memoria Gloriosa. Memoria Gloriosa. My man Baquero does a phenomenal job. And then a bunch of other opinion, yeah. opinion pieces. It's just phenomenal. We love if you guys support it. 
uh, follow it on Twitter, but if you can then follow it on Facebook, follow it on Instagram, follow it on YouTube. It, it's just going to yeah. be phenomenal. Plen- plenty, plenty of projects. Obviously, our new baby, uh, Time Added On, yeah, will time- also be on there. So make sure you check out my beautiful face. Uh, that's what my mom says. Uh, <laughs> check it out and uh, leave us your feedback because we're always interested in knowing what it is that you guys uh, think. And obviously, get involved. Get involved. So give us topics. Give us your opinion. And we'll we'll make sure to get back to you guys. Yeah, there's quite a few people that write very well that have been posting very, very good texts I'm not uh, on their emotional texts. Uh, stuff that you could you could tell that the Bifikismu oozes through their pores. There's also a very cool feature by uh, by Nun Pereira. He is uh, the one guy that perhaps owns the the most Benfica jerseys that I know. And so he has a feature. I think it's a weekly feature in which he, he shows a jersey from his collection. And there's a whole story behind it. So definitely follow that. Definitely go check that out. BenficaIndependent.com uh, on Twitter at SLB Independent. Uh, and uh, Instagram, look for uh, Benfica Independent. Facebook, look for Benfica Independent, so on and so forth. Um, so there's, there's, uh, there's. We're very excited to be part of that. So definitely check that out. Um, Ugu, before we go, any parting thoughts from you, man? No, I just uh, wanted to thank you guys for having me on again. It's a pleasure. Um, I'm, I listen to you guys all the time. Keep up the good work and Carrega uh, Benfica. We'll, yeah. get, we'll get you in a building one of these weeks. We'll get you in here. When your wife lets you. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. Dave. Well, I uh, just wanted to give you guys a shout out. I uh, watch your uh, show there. I didn't know if I was watching Kornheiser and Wilbon, but you guys were, were great. You guys were great. Uh, big fan of it. And uh, like I'm you easily, said, everybody. I'm easily Kornheiser with the comb over. <laughs> easily to identify. That's me. I wouldn't even know who those two guys are. But that's okay. Interruption. Oh, okay. So that's the guy's name. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for uh, checking us out. We will be back next week. Well, next week we'll recap uh, both the Zagreb and the Bolinsk game. We'll look ahead to uh, the second half of the uh, the second leg of the Zagreb and whatever Bifiga has coming up uh, next weekend. So thank you uh, so much, and uh, talk to you again next week. Arrivederci. Later. Later.